This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about pancetta. Not bacon. But pancetta. Well, I mean, isn't it a type of bacon? Matthew, just wait. We're going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Oh, man. It sounds like like I spilled some beans. You Spoiler alert. It may or may not be a type of bacon. We don't know. Don't steal my my thunder. What would the thunder be? Uh, Don't steal my thundering hooves. Uh, Oh, because thundering hooves is a local... Well, I, is no, it local? It's, it's, it, well, I'm just thinking of what like pigs would have. Oh yeah, yeah, P- pigs known for their thundering <laughs> hooves. <laughs> like you know, when you when you hear the the hooves of a pig stampede approaching, like that's something you'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Okay. okay, so so we've settled. Nothing. Great. Um, we're we're going to have a special guest on this episode. We are. Yeah. We never do this, yeah. but today we're doing it. Uh, we're going to have um, Pancetta-obsessed stand-up comic Dan Adute on the mm-hmm. show in a little mm-hmm. bit. He is the host of a brand new show called Green Eggs and Dan. Yeah, he'll tell you to. more about that. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> forget Dan for, for a minute. Let's make this about us for once. Right. Matthew, What would you walk us down your Pancetta memory lane? So I'm really not exactly sure when I first encountered pancetta. I think it was when I was a kid, although I don't know in what context. I remember pancetta mainly from like when I first moved to Seattle, like I was into like the Food Network and stuff. Like I knew it was like this fancy Italian bacon. And there were a really limited number of places in Seattle Mm -hmm. where you could get it at that time. And so I remember going to Kashopo Brothers uh, to get it one time, which is which is near you. Right. Yes. yes. Um, And uh, and like I think uh, Admiral Thriftway in West Seattle, which is now Metropolitan Market, they had it. But it was like it was a specialty ingredient. Yeah. De Laurenti had it. You had to like go to a special store to get this special rolled Italian bacon. And then I would, you know, I probably was making like like spaghetti carbonara. Okay. Would be my guess. And so this would have been in like the late 90s? Yeah. Okay, perfect. You know, I was trying to figure out when, you know, when I was making the... So we take turns researching different episodes, Matthew and I do. Yeah. And this this one was mine to research. But when I was working on it, I was having trouble remembering when I first 
learned about pancetta because it's just not something I ever think about. Oh, I think about it constantly. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't surprise me. I really. think I think uh, comedian Dana Dude is going to be my new co-host because <laughs> oh, okay. we're a couple of pancetta guys. Oh, what you wouldn't was the, understand. What was the other episode where where we brought on a we joked that that I, I was going to be replaced was you, you or and, I was going to replace you. I think or, maybe you and Julia Tertian were going to have a new show without me. Uh, no, I feel like it was something like we were going to get like like Jada Boomrod or something. Okay, well, or do you remember it was each like of us somebody... has been replaced many times and yet the show is still as stupid as it always was. So, <laughs> okay. so I guess we're doing something right. Okay. Anyway, I don't remember ever thinking about pancetta <laughs> before, before you had Bef- to research it before like yesterday. yesterday. No, I think that I might've learned about pancetta on the food network too. It seems like it. Do you remember the golden age of the food network? Like yeah. 1997 when David Rosengarten had the David show. Rosengarten's taste. Taste, and I'm I love pretty, the book also. Yes, I still have the yeah. book. I'm pretty sure that he did an episode on pancetta or like different types of cured pork belly. That seems like something have. he would have done. Anyway, yeah, I don't think I've ever <laughs> bought pancetta. Wow. Yeah. Okay. After this episode, I, I want you to make it your your goal in life to buy some pancetta for once. Okay. <laughs> okay. For All once right. in your life, pancetta. Oh, it's. Are you gonna break into like that that also, uh, Stevie just... Wonder song? Which for one? Once, for once in my life, yes. I have someone who mm-hmm. needs me. Yeah. For once in my life, I'm gonna buy some pancetta. Yeah, that was the original version, and uh, <laughs> he edited it. Yeah, because they were like, uh, you know, that song came like, out when nobody, nobody knows knew what, what that is. Was. Yeah. So pancetta is. Well, wait. I was about to start talking about what pancetta is, but you did the research. Yeah. Yeah. So you you tell me. Okay. In your opinion, what is pancetta? Sure. So pancetta is a type of of cured meat, a type of salumi. The Italian word for cured meat. Uh, it's a type of salumi that is made from pork belly that is cured with salt and, and different spices. And it is very much like bacon. The real difference is that bacon is smoked. Yep. Right? So uh, pancetta also, you know, has, I don't know what bacon has in the way of like seasonings in the in the brine. I mean, it, it depends on the bacon. But okay. it's often, often very, very simple, just yeah. like wood smoke and salt. Okay. Well, and so nitrate. I felt like when I, when I started to research this, I couldn't have said to you in a sentence what it means to cure meat. Oh. I just feel like it's something that I sort of n- knew instinctively but couldn't put to words. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if there are any listeners out there who who are similarly uh, finding curing to be an indescribable process. Yeah, like they think about it every day, but they like don't... the way I think about pancetta and just like, what could it mean? And there's no way to find out except you know, to listen to our show. It's kind of like love. Like we all know what it what it feels like, what oh. the experience is, but it's very hard to put it into words. Oh, I was just telling Molly this morning, I'm obsessed with this new song by the Pernice Brothers um, in which uh, the, the chorus has the line, talk speaking of love. No matter what you do, it slithers back to you, which is one of my new favorite things ever. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Anyway, so so curing is a method of preservation. Basically, it, it involves salt, right? So you pack this. Does curing always have to involve salt? Um, I mean, it always has to involve some type of salt. So okay. it could be sodium chloride or curing salts, or but usually both. Right. Okay. So the point of, of curing is to draw out water from the meat in question, thereby extending its shelf life. Because the water is going to like make it right. easier for all the kinds of things that will make meat go bad to live. Meat go bad. Wow, that sentence was really... The, <laughs> the, it, meat it was go like bad of, to live. 
<laughs> that sentence literally contained the phrase, meat go bad to live. <laughs> I'm putting that in a song. We've been watching the um, the show Dark on Netflix, which is a... I don't know what it is, but it sounds too scary for me. It's a Netflix original, but it, it's it's a like a, a German production. Um, now it sounds way too scary. It's fantastic. Uh, it's in its second season. Anyway, we watched the German version with subtitles. And so every now and then when I'm like really paying attention, I feel like I can I can sort of under or I can parse the German. And oh, I, sure. And I, I was reminded that like, is it that is it like nouns or verbs come at the end of sentences in German? Don't know. Oh God, we've definitely got some <laughs> listeners who are rolling their All eyes. All I at know us is right you now. put a, you smush a bunch of words together. Well, anyway, that's pretty much what I just did with that sentence. Okay, yes, I spoke German. Yeah, or Yoda, ease. Yes. Anyway, so uh, so curing draws the water out extending the shelf life of meat. You know, it's yeah. like what's done with jerky and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, like jerky like is drier than than a lot of your other cured meats though, right? We should do it. Yes. Have we done a jerky episode? I don't think we I have. I don't know if we have. Well, so so to make pancetta, for instance, you take a slab of pork belly, yeah. you remove the skin, you, Matthew. Okay. You're going to salt it and hold it in a tub of brine. And by brine, I mean like salt and seasoning. Yeah. Okay. At low temperature and high humidity for like two weeks. Okay. Okay. So wait, if it's in a tub of brine, that seems like the highest humidity you can get. Is it like half in the brine and half out of the brine? <laughs> I think it's in like a, a big fridge or okay. a cellar or All something. Right. Anyway, so the brine is usually salt and either nitrite or nitrate, mm-hmm. like depending. There's usually some vitamin C or oh. ascorbate. Is that how I would pronounce yeah. it? Yeah. Ascorbic acid. Because um, that helps with preservation too. Yeah. And then spices like traditional in pancetta would be black pepper, garlic, juniper is, is mm-hmm. very common, yeah. rosemary. Anyway, after that salting and brining for two weeks, the pork is usually rolled, and we'll get to this more, okay. rolled up, and then packed in netting or in some other like fibrous casing to keep it from hardening. Yeah. And then it's hung for three to four weeks to dry. Oh, right. Like, And that's why like, like it's tied up with string and then like it kind of hangs from the ceiling in a, in a curing house, curing I, I guess cellar, so. garage, uh, in, barn. In, in the cure. In, in, right, and in order to Robert make Smith authentic, fanch- right, Robert Smith has to come around and like it's like a kosher process, only it's not because it's pork. But instead, Robert Smith comes around and, and like you know checks on each one. Yeah, okay. it's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get let's get Dan on the line. How about that? Okay. I first heard this guy on Spontanea Nation, the late great improv podcast hosted by Paul F. Tompkins. But at the time, I didn't know that he's also obsessed with food. You've seen him on The Tonight Show and Bajillion Dollar Properties, and he's the host of the hilarious new podcast, Green Eggs and Dan. Please welcome Dan Adute. Hello, guys. Hello. Can I tell you, of all those things, my credits that you listed, doing the rounds on food podcasts is like my favorite thing in the world. It's way better oh. than The Tonight Show, I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we figured you would probably say that. Like, you know, fuck The Tonight Show. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't go that far, but yeah, sure. Fine. Yeah, no, like the, the splendid table, that's where it's at. Oh, absolutely. We've been talking about pancetta for, for the last few minutes. And uh, when I emailed you to, to ask, like, what do you want to talk about on the show? I gave you a couple of options and uh, you immediately wrote back and said, pan fucking cheddar. Hell yes. Why? What makes this, this Italian bacon so special to you? All right. Are we doing, if we're going to do bacon versus pancetta, you know, the main difference is that, is that bacon is smoked, right? 
I just don't right. think that pork needs that much craziness. It's so delicious on its own. It just needs to be a little. It has like a. It's very minimally minimally processed pancetta. It's a it's right. a salt cure, a little bit of sugar, some spices here and there, and boom. It's like it's the most delicious way to add flavor to a dish. I mean, my favorite pasta dish uh, of all time is uh, what's it called? Oh, I'm like my favorite thing, and I can't remember it. Uh, <laughs> my favorite, you know, that shit with the, with the like there's some noodles in it. I think. <laughs> Favorite dish. Um, help me out. It's got the pancetta. It's got the eggs. Carbonara. Carbonara. Thank you. Yes. I mean, yes. A pasta carbonara. Let's edit out the part of me not remembering <laughs> what my favorite thing in the world is. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll, we'll definitely edit that out. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yes. A carbonara to me is like the best pasta ever. Uh, and I think it's the pancetta that makes it shine. And I've tried to make it with bacon. And the bacon just takes over the dish and it's no bueno. Yeah. Well, so hold on. My question is, did you blanch the bacon first <laughs> because i've heard molly asks everyone this it's yeah, getting really embarrassing i'm always like do you blanch your bacon read Wait, into that, that however you I, want i don't know if that's a metaphor or if uh <laughs> you actually mean it like it sounds well, so like it sounds I've like a read... disgusting way to say masturbate i don't blanch the bacon guys you, Dan, but but maybe we'll call back and not record it and then we'll ask you about right. that too. But um, but anyway, I have seen recommended in many cookbooks that if you can't find pancetta, you can use bacon instead, but you should blanch it first to like, quote, draw out the smoky flavor. Matthew, have you ever done this? I think I have done this and it's not the same. Okay. It sounds counterintuitive because the whole point of curing is to leach the water out, no? Yeah, but I think... Like like some of the smokiness comes out. I don't know. It's it's not not a great solution. Hmm. I will say well, this. Well, I'm really though. glad I brought it up. <laughs> something that something that that we didn't that we're not talking about is the baconization of different parts of the animal. Like the bacon that we usually have is, right. is the belly, right? Um, yes. I think that the unsung hero of baconizing is uh, the cheek, a little guanciale. Yes. Oh, we are going to be talking about that soon. Yeah, too. I've got some in my fridge right now. Oh my God, that stuff, that stuff. I, I think that's going to be the shishito pepper of pork products coming up soon. <laughs> I think soon everyone's going to start getting into it and guanciale is going to be on every menu. I hope. I mean, I think people are grossed out by the fact that it's a pig cheek, but it's squishy and spongy and delicious. And yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, it's that kind of thing where like if a chef makes it for you, like, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily want to like make it at home the first time. But like if a chef makes it for you and says, you know, this is this is the cured pork jowl. You're like, yeah. Guanciale is also part of one of my favorite uh, pasta dishes, favorite ones in the world, <laughs> which I also can't remember. The, no, I'm just kidding. It's a bucatini alla matriciano with oh, the yes. guanciale is just, oh. So good. I know that on your show, Green Eggs and Dan, you like talk with the guest about what is in their fridge and you post a picture of the fridge as well. How often do you have pancetta or guanciale in your fridge? Oh, you're, you're fridge shaming me now. I see what's going I'm on. I'm shaming you. <laughs> um, you know what? Not very often, although... I did have a little barbecue off at my place last week, and uh, I had some pancetta, which I used to make like the baked beans. So oh, I made a little, a little classy baked beans with pancetta, 
which was delicious. I don't often, often have it, but I should have it more. My fridge is really boring. My fridge is like, it's got a bunch of super rare, very expensive ingredients that you can never, <laughs> like, like you always need other stuff to use them. Like, so like, it's like most comics, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I have like, I don't know, like I have like Botarga, but like nothing to put it on. So oh, yeah. It's like uh, God, that, that's the worst. <laughs> happens yeah. happens to me all the time. <laughs> you know what, what I'm talking am I about, do guys? With all this Come Batarga. on, I'm the people's comic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you guys, you guys like Batarga? <laughs> yeah, my Batarga bits haven't been doing that well <laughs> right. at the Laugh Factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah What's work, the deal with that a pure more. smelt row? <laughs> <laughs> so, if you were gonna put pancetta like in the pantheon of like cured porks, mm. where where would it go? You've already ranked it above smoked bacon like how would you rank it compared to like a prosciutto okay i think prosciutto is probably the undisputed king uh interesting probably i i just think that the amount of love and that needs to go into making good prosciutto i mean it takes like a year of very minimalist curing it's like a very very beautiful process pancetta you can make it in like seven days right yeah so i don't know man a prosciutto and speck are going to be hard to beat for me right Ooh, uh, speck. yeah yes. speck. yeah they're they're probably my faves up top and then uh, but i think more fun to talk about is what would be at the like at the bottom <laughs> oh that's a good question we did an episode once on bologna which i did oh, not yeah. like at all because i didn't grow up with it so I think that would go on the bottom for me. I don't know if it's even in the same category. It's usually beef, though, right? Beef bologna? Well, there's the beef bologna and like the, the one that didn't specify what kind of meat, so it's some ungodly mix. Is spam pork? Oh, yes. Yeah. Spam is probably somewhere at the bottom. Uh, but it is tasty. I mean, it is tasty, though. That's the thing. It's like, doesn't the New Yorker do that thing where they rank like like trashy but also trendy? Like there's like a, there's like a X, X, Y axis. I think it's New York Magazine, but it would be great if the yes. New Yorker did that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it is New York Magazine. So, yeah, I think Spam is like probably one of the most delicious, but also the trashiest yeah. for sure. Yeah, so bologna, here's the thing. I think bologna is bastardized mortadella. Because yes. in Bologna, totally mortadella is. is like the most popular pork. And so I think what they did is they took that over and they, they kind of took a big dump on it. Because I think mortadella <laughs> is delicious. And I think an, yeah. a, another unsung hero of the pork world. But yeah. Sometimes I think studded that, with pistachios. Oof, come on, you're killing me. Oh, yeah. speaking of studded with pistachios, guys, I wanted to tell you something <laughs> regarding your last episode on chickpeas. Okay, okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm jumping around. I'm jumping let's, around. Let's, no, go, no, for no, please, go for it. Go for it. One of the best, best, my favorite desserts ever. So I'm Persian, and we make a dessert using chickpea flour called nunochochi, which okay. is basically chickpea flour, cardamom, a little bit of confectioner sugar, and basically it's it's like a little super dry cake. It's like it's shaped like a little um, four-leaf clover, and they're tiny. They're bite-sized, like you have it with your tea. Oh my God! Something about that. I mean, it might be because I just associated with my childhood. It might be my, my like my like Proustian Madeleines are <laughs> like a weird chickpea cake flour right. should, cookie. Like to be polite, should I should I lie and say that sounds great? Yes, absolutely. Be polite. <laughs> okay, and say that, that sounds amazing, Dan. Thanks so but much for putting that on our radar. No, I think don't it sounds... take my word for it. I'm telling you, go. I, I, I oh, we'll give me your address. It. I'm gonna send you guys some. Okay. Does does the chickpea flour? I mean, I've had like uh, I don't know, like some like 
vegan sweets and things that were made with chickpea flour. Does it give it like an interesting savory quality to this like little cookie thing? Yes, which I love sweet and savory desserts. So, and especially it's more the cardamom, I think, that gives it more of the savory flavor. Yeah. but yeah, it definitely has a little bit of that. Like I had a cardamom panna cotta once and it like blew my fucking mind. And I think- That sounds good. Uh, yeah, in, this, in the same vein, it's that kind of the sweet and savory spicy thing going on, which I love. Oh yeah. Anyway, I'm back into to it. pork. All right, well actually <laughs> we were gonna say like, uh, <laughs> let's wrap things up and tell us tell us about Green Eggs with Dan. Yeah, so Green Eggs and Dan is like my passion project. It's uh, We've been enjoying it a lot. Oh, God, I'm so glad, I, I really love it. It's, I always say that I'm a, you know, comedy is my day job and food is my passion. So um, I basically get together uh, my friends and you know, people who are kind of celebrities that you would never talk to, that you never hear interviews about them food-wise. And we go into a deep dive uh, into their relationship with food. Uh, we had Hassan Minaj, Michelle Buteau. Uh, we just had Eliza Schlesinger. So um, we had the Sklar Brothers, a lot of very, very fun comics. And we had a journalist, an NPR journalist, Matt Katz. And, you know, instead of asking him about you know, stories about the world. I was asking him about what he was eating when he was, you know, in Afghanistan, <laughs> dodging bullets nice. and stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's if you want like a deep dive into people's food relationship that you wouldn't normally get from any other podcast, I think uh, you'd you'd love it. And and we sh- and we fridge shame them. We take a picture of their fridge and we we put it on blast. We put it online. They don't know that we're going to put it online. It's uh, it's a very very fun to do. Yeah, it's great. On every episode, uh, Dan is like, so that picture that uh, picture of your fridge that you sent, uh, I put it on my Instagram, and the guest is like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I great. think the craziest, the craziest fridge pick that you're going to see is uh, Chef Ignacio Matos, who is a Michelin-starred chef in New York City. Uh, he's the chef at Estella. And uh, he his fridge looks like a post apocalyptic hellscape. It's just <laughs> there's like three things that are like spoiled in his fridge, and it's like yeah. one of those little college dorm fridges. It's very very sad. <laughs> oh my god, Dana, dude, thank you so much. The show is called Green Eggs and Dan. You can find it uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks so much for being a guest on Spilled Milk. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This has really been like an honor for me. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, They've got, you can borrow appliances, like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. 
The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Oh, my God. Okay, so we're back. After we got off the phone with Dan, uh-huh. we got hungry. So yeah, we, Matthew, we really put the the mantra of the show into practice. We we cooked something delicious, and you actually all, and, can't have and any. Dan couldn't have any. Uh-huh. So hold on, we're going to talk in just a second about what we cooked. But in the meantime, I didn't finish. I didn't finish talking. Let me finish. I'm, I'm gonna let pancetta. you finish. Okay. So here's the deal. You know, we talked Sorry, about. I'm would fucking you with you. Stop messing with my headphones. We talked about how pancetta is made, right? Yes. But we didn't talk about the fact that it generally comes in two different styles. One is rolled, Uh like, you know, the pork belly is rolled on itself, kind of a a pinwheel. If you will. If you will. And the other other is a flat slab, kind of like bacon. Yeah. And when I, so I went down to De Laurenti to get some pancetta and some guanciale yesterday. Mm -hmm. De Laurenti is an Italian grocer in Delhi in Pike Place Market. It's great. It is. It's great. It's not cheap, but they have a wonderful selection. And they had a couple of kinds of, of rolled pancetta. And then they had a flat pancetta that was smoked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, isn't that just bacon? I didn't actually say that because I didn't want to be a bad customer. But in retrospect, I should have. I did read this when I was doing research. I mean, I have to wonder, the flavor of pancetta is so much more than just the flavor of pork. Yeah, okay. for sure. And so I, I don't know. I just have to guess that even that smoked pancetta it has more seasonings it's got a different and cure. stuff, a different yeah. cure than straight up like American cured bacon. So while I was making this dish, which we'll talk about in a minute, I sort of started formulating a, a stupid theory um, that uh, pancetta is kind of like clams in the sense that like when you have a dish made with clams, like really what you're after is like the liquid from the clams infusing the whole dish. It's not about like the little bit of clam meat itself, although that's good too. Pancetta is delicious with clams, in fact. It is. But but like it's the same thing. Like when you make a pasta dish with pancetta in particular, like you want that pancetta flavor throughout the pasta that's from the fat that's melted out. Okay. Well hold on. So yeah. okay. I feel like things got really serious and now we're really talking about cooking. Hold on. We have exhausted our comedy for this episode. Okay. Well, good, goodbye, listeners. <laughs> it was fun. No, no we um, have a few listeners who are interested in cooking. So, but here's what's interesting. Articles that I found written by American publications, mm-hmm. like um, The Kitchen or uh, fine, Family fine Cooking, Leet's Culinaria. Ar- architectural Digest. <laughs> anyway, they all say that pancetta is a product that must be cooked to be eaten. Okay. Uh, However, in Italy, the mm-hmm. the rolled pancetta is sliced thin, the way that prosciutto is, and other you know types of of salumi. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this. Hold up. on, and it's it's generally eaten like as part of a, an antipasti selection or in a sandwich. It's eaten raw, sliced. So. A few years ago, I was writing a column for Seattle Magazine called Chef Test, where uh, I would like get a few different brands of some food and then meet up with a local chef and we would taste them and rank them. And I do not remember the name of the chef that I did this tasting with. Who's the, who's the guy from, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the restaurant now also, Zoe. Was it Scott Staples? Scott Staples. I think that was it. So I did a pancetta tasting and to my great surprise, we, we did like, you know, crisp some up in a frying pan and taste it. But he was like, first we taste it raw. 
That's how they do it in Italy. And I was like, really? You could do that? He's like, yeah, totally. Um, and, and I like later checked like on, on like the boar's head pancetta package. It says like, you know, ready to eat. It was. So why don't we do this with bacon? Um, I mean, I, th- I mean, I think most most like mainstream America would think that it is super yucky to think about eating bacon raw. Well, for one I thing, think it's, it's sliced more thickly. It's sliced more thickly. And also also, I mean, partly just like, you know, cultural preference. But uh, but also I think um, the, the most popular bacons in America are wet cured. And are mm. and are much wetter, like like they don't hang to dry like a pancetta does, mm-hmm. and so like they would be real kind of wet and sloppy. I think real slimy, real slimy. Yeah, I don't know. The, the more we talk about it, the more I'm excited to try this. So interesting. Okay, so so how was it? How was the texture? I mean, was it kind of was the texture of the fat in the the raw pancetta? Was it sort of like the fat of prosciutto? Yeah, a, a little a little snappier to the tooth. Okay. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I definitely haven't done it since. Hmm. So Interesting. that's how I would put it. Okay. Well, so... Is it okay the, if I get more pasta while you're talking? Sure. So um, so the flat version, which is um, it, called stesa, stesa pancetta that is stesa. I'm doing a terrible job of this. That means flat in uh, in Italian. Anyway, that type is usually like chopped, cubed, or or sliced, but it, it is cooked mm-hmm. generally. Shout out to uh, longtime listener Stasa Brandon. <laughs> Hi, Stasha. <laughs> anyway, um, so the rolled type is more typical of northern Italy, apparently, and the flat type is, is more typical in southern and central Italy. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what did you buy today? Mm. So the pancetta in this dish is uh, made by Salumi Cured Meats in Seattle. Oh, nice. Nice. It's delicious. And I think they make a very good pancetta. Do you usually, if you're buying pancetta, which I, I learned you do often, I apparently. Do. So do you usually go to De Laurenti to buy it? No, not always. I mean, sometimes sometimes I'll buy it at QFC. Like like since since the old days, that we, remember when we, when we went down memory lane and mm-hmm. talked about how you had to go to a special store to get pancetta? Not anymore. Now you can get it like two blocks from my house. Yeah. I mean, they, they sell it also like already uh, cubed, like yeah. Chiteri. Brand. Right, like um, I've seen a Trader Joe's, maybe. I think so. Um, yeah, uh, and, and that's, that's fine. Like, like the the locally made stuff really is noticeably better. But just in the same way that like cheap bacon is still very tasty, cheap pancetta is still tasty. What about? Have you had like sort of? Uh, I guess this would be like a middle ground. La Quercia, a domestic prosciutto. I mean, a domestic pork salumi producer. They do pancetta that is rolled and and sliced. I have not tried theirs, but I'm sure it's good. I have tried also from De Laurenti a, a one that was imported from Bologna, which I thought was very tasty. It wasn't better than the local one, but it was very good. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Have you ever made your own? I don't think I have. I did make my own bacon once, but I didn't smoke it, and it was kind of too subtle. Okay. So I don't know. I don't have. I don't have what. What did we decide? What type of of edifice? Do you hang your pancetta in? Oh, we called it a cure. A curing barn. <laughs> uh, yeah. A cure. Oh, right, no, no, I, I didn't have... The, you hang it in the, the cure. I, I called Robert Smith. I left a message on his voicemail. Never called me back. You know, that happened to me with a with a mortgage broker yesterday. <laughs> I, I got totally ghosted trying is, to refinance my house. What is a... Uh, pancetta taste like that's been blessed by a mortgage broker. I assume that's why you recall. <laughs> I think it's real dry mm-hmm. and maybe real slimy. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so... I, Sorry, listeners who are also mortgage brokers. Uh, no, I, 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 I did wind up... I, I did wind up refinancing with a mortgage broker who I, I really actually didn't mind talking with. That's great. Let's talk a lot more about that. <laughs> great. Okay. 
Okay, cool. I, mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. there was an era in my life. This was also, this coincided with like the e-gullet era, mm-hmm. like the online food forum era of like the early 2000s. Right. When I, I, I feel like I, I heard often about people I knew making their own salumi. Like it seemed oh, like yeah. people were getting excited about this. Like I'm sure that, that maybe I just like aged out of it. And there's like dry aged and there's a there's like a this is like a wave that goes down through, you know, through generations like that. I'm trying to parse what you're saying. <laughs> so there's a no, wave I, of meat cascading down <laughs> through generations. It's wavy like and, a piece and, of bacon. It, and in your case, it skipped a generation. <laughs> no. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I think you were touched by the meat wave in ways that you haven't yet realized. <laughs> no, what I'm trying to say is, do you think there's a time in every person's life when they want to make cured pork from scratch? I think some people are vegetarians or kosher, <laughs> but other than that, I'm going to say yes. Yes, okay. Okay, great. Well, there was never a yes, time. Yes, no, definitely. I knew people, uh, like eagle people. Like when, Once I um, I did an article about a guy who had a small sausage business that he ran out of his garage in mm-hmm. Wallingford. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't do it anymore, but they were really good. Yeah, I remember that guy. Was it, it wasn't Eric Wright, was it? Matt Matt Wright made, he, Matt he, Wright. he didn't sell stuff commercially, but he, he had his, Robert Smith blessed his garage um this was this was a different guy who who like did who had like a commercial business selling most mostly like fresh sausages okay all right don't remember the name i think this this also came about like in a a cultural moment when we were just learning about the idea of nose to tail yeah for sure right um so people were really getting off on making (laughs) their own They were touched by the meat wave in a very personal way. If this episode has made any of our listeners want to make their own pancetta (laughs) If we've touched you. (laughs) There is a recipe. um, There's a recipe in the book Charcuterie by Michael Ruhlman. That recipe is also online on Leet's Culinaria, and and we can link to it. We can link to it. Yeah. We can do that. So, Matthew, let's get right into cooking with this stuff, because we've already just eaten a bunch of pasta uh, that you cooked with Mm -hmm. it. But we reserve the right to eat more. Tell us about this pasta. Okay. In Rome, when in Rome, eat pasta. There are four classic Roman pastas. Mm. I don't know why I'm using this like weirdly authoritative voice. Hold on, can I guess? Can uh-huh. I guess what yep. they are? Okay. Carbonara. Correct. Alla gricia. Correct. Amatriciana. Correct. Cacio e pepe. A hundred percent. Yes! You can retire now. I've only made two of these at home. I make cacio e pepe all the time. I've made all of these at home. They, okay. So they're all... Pretty similar pastas. So should we go through like what each one of them is? Because three of them contain pancetta or guanciale. Yes, let's do this. Okay, so cacio e pepe is the one that doesn't. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's cheese. It's it's generally pecorino and, and black, black pepper. pepper. Sometimes includes parmigiano reggiano. Yep. Okay, so uh, then there's amatriciana. Well, no, it's gricia first. That's the one I made today. Okay. So gricia is the simplest. It's just the pasta is tossed with pasta, pasta cooking water, cheese, usually pecorino romano, and both the, the fat and chunks of pancetta or guanciale. Okay. Sometimes and onion in there and black pepper. Yeah. Quite a bit of black pepper. Amatriciana is basically gricia plus tomato. Okay. Uh, often with onion. Okay. Um, and what was the last one? Carbonara. <laughs> Wait a minute. Dan, Dan dude couldn't remember what it was, what it was <laughs> called either. There's some sort of weird carbonara amnesia going around. And carbonara is like gricia plus X, right? I guess so. I guess yeah. you're right. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. And like um, eggs, like emulsified, lightly, very lightly cooked and emulsified into the sauce, not with like scrambled eggs. Correct. Okay. So 
Here, Where are we going with this? I don't know. No, no. Here's a question, though. I was saying to you yesterday when I was starting to research pancetta, I was saying to you that I have always heard of uh, particularly like Bucatini um, alla matriciana being made with guanciale. Yeah. Did we I, say what guanciale was? So guanciale is cured pork jowl. Yeah. So the cheek. Is it cured with similar spices? I think it is, pancetta? but the, the meat itself has a markedly different and funkier flavor. It is much funkier. It's very, well, at least the guanciale you cooked up mm-hmm. for us to just taste today has a nuttier quality. Yeah, I think that's true. I've heard that also, but then I then there is like a backlash to the backlash where it, it's one of these things where where like you know someone will come along and say like in Rome they would never make that with pancetta it's guanciale all the way down and then someone else will say hey like you know I grew up outside of Rome and my grandma always used pancetta so suck it yeah so it's like it's Italian food okay. so it's. One of those, one of those things. Okay, like, we're we're definitely going to have some listeners weigh in and tell us. I think so. That it is absolutely insane for us to consider putting pancetta in these three pastas. I hope we hear from those listeners. When you hear from those listeners, you send them to me. Okay, great, great. Because my grandma did not grow up in Italy. Um. So okay. So today you made alla gricia, mm-hmm. which so so basically the sauce for this is, is a, a sort of light emulsion of. Pancetta fat. Yep, and pasta cooking water. Pasta cooking water. Oh, yeah, yeah that's delicious. So you, yeah, you cook some and pancetta. The cheese is also l- melted. A little into bit of it. olive oil, and then you take the chunks out, and then you add pasta cooking water and and boil it, and then like throw the undercooked pasta in there to finish cooking mm-hmm. in the pasta cooking water and mm-hmm. pancetta fat. And then you throw in, throw the pancetta chunks back in and a bunch of cheese. Is there a recipe you're going to link to? Yeah, we're going to link to Daniel Gritzer's recipe from Serious Eats. Okay. Or Daniel a la Gritzer. Also, when we were eating it, before we turned the mics back on. We kept saying, "Mm mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, and we also both noticed the really cool texture of the pancetta. So the pancetta is in these batons that are maybe like, I I don't know, like seven millimeters on each side. Yeah. Did you bring your calipers, your digital calipers? (laughs) Anyway, the ones had, the ones you use only for they bacon. had the coolest texture. There was almost like a um, a water chestnutty crunch in, in part of it, like like the fat or something. We keep a kosher but household. We have separate Ma- meat and uh, dairy Matthew, calipers. Matthew, <laughs> the meat part of the pancetta when I would have it between my teeth had mm-hmm. a, a predictably like chewy, meaty quality, like like some like a like the the meaty part of bacon. But the fat of the pancetta between my teeth was like almost like a water chestnut. What was going on there? Here is what I think is going on. I know we have some food scientists who listen to the show. So if anyone can weigh in and let me know if I've got this totally wrong, I would love to know the truth. But here's my theory. So you know how when you're cooking, like a, particularly like a thick sliced bacon, like near the end of cooking, there'll be these moments when it's sort of like, like explo- a little bit of it explodes mm-hmm. and spits and kind of turns white all of a sudden. What I think is going on is that bacon fat or like like pork belly fat is a matrix. Like and so does Keanu read? Keanu, is Keanu, he in it? Hooked up to a bunch of tubes. Comes in. He's hooked up to a bunch of tubes. It's a matrix of fat and water. Yeah. All right. So when you when it's uncooked, it seems like a homogeneous texture. Yes. Or homogeneous. I yes. don't know how you pronounce that. Go on. Um, but when you cook it, the fat shrinks and 
you get these kind of bubbles encased in fat. And if you cook it a long time, all the water will cook out and it'll be like very hard and crispy. But if you don't take it that far, you get these kind of like succulent bites where you're like breaking a little a little balloon yes. in your mouth. And, oh, and yeah. for that, because I appreciate that also. Like the the one thing, like when I buy pancetta at the supermarket, like if it's if it's like sometimes you'll see it like in a cellophane, like pre-sliced pack, and it's always sliced way too thin for me. Mm-hmm. I want my pancetta to be in pretty thick chunks. So when you went to De Laurenti today, how did you order it? I said just uh, just give me a quarter pound in one chunk, one ah. thick slice. And so then you brought it home and you cut it into batons. Yep. Great. Okay, cool. So can we also post recipes for your amatriciana and your carbonara? Sure. I'm trying to think which one I've made, which ones of those I've made most recently. But yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll come up with some recipes. And you've Do got you, a cacio e pepe. Wait, I have that doesn't contain pancetta. That doesn't pancetta. contain, Never mind. That doesn't contain pancetta. <laughs> um, what about soups or risottos or... Yeah, um, risotto would be good. So I, I use pancetta for pasta more than 90% of the time. It's good. It's good as like a, a seasoning in vegetables. It's great with peas. Mm-hmm. Like any any vegetable that you would throw some bacon in, pancetta is going to be good too. Soup, you said. I don't know if I've actually done that. Interesting. I, I'm like so – so I never think of having bacon around to use as a flavoring agent, like mm-hmm. throwing a piece of bacon in like when I'm cooking the aromatics for a soup or something. Like. But you're always putting a nub of salt pork into your baked beans, right? <laughs> Because bacon seems really annoying to keep around. Like you buy, I assure you, it's not. (laughs) But you buy a whole pound of it. You buy a whole pound of it, and unless you want to cook it up and have bacon for breakfast, here here is the thing. I don't know if I've ever said this on the show. Oh, I hate cooking breakfast. Okay, that's fair. I need my breakfast to either be something that could be prepared the night before, Mm -hmm. like mostly prepared. Like even when I make pancakes, I try to mix up the dry ingredients the night ahead of time. Yeah, I, I. I feel that way too, but I never mind throwing a few strips of bacon in the oven in the morning. Uh, it drives me nuts. I don't like. I don't doing like it. washing the pan afterwards. Yeah, see, I don't want to be bothered with that. But I don't want to deal with it, and I don't want my house to smell like bacon. I don't mind if my house smells like bacon, and I don't mind making a little bacon in the morning. So I have no problem keeping bacon around. The problem I'm, is I'm thinking, not using it all. The other thing is when I've bought bacon, I've tried to separate it like a couple pieces at a time and then freeze it. Sure. So I could pull out a couple pieces you to use here separated. and there. But now I'm kind of thinking that maybe if I buy pancetta, mm-hmm. I will have a greater... How, how long do you think it'll keep? That's a good question. I think it'll keep fine for a month in the fridge. I love this. Especially if you, if you get it as a chunk. Okay. Like if it's super thin sliced, it's not. It's going to dry out. I but wonder if... So it's my, not going to go bad. My local grocery store is Ballard Market, and they have some pretty good like cured meats that yeah. they'll slice to order. I'll have to look and see if they have pancetta. Can I give you my pancetta buying advice? Yeah, please. Because the only time I ever get pancetta and I am unsatisfied with it is occasionally I will get like a national brand like a like a boar's head Mm -hmm. uh, and it will be way too lean which I Mm. think they're doing like to appeal like because it looks nice and like to appeal to like the American what Americans say that they like lean things okay Um, but pancetta is all about the fat and like if if you if you cook up a lean pancetta it just kind of gets like hard and it's 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 not bad because it's still bacon, but it's not not what it should be. No, what what we had in this pasta you made was really succulent. Yeah. And you cooked it for a long time. You got yeah. some color on it. Yeah, I cooked it slow for like 15 minutes. Did you put it in a cold pan? 
Yeah. Okay, to render the fat mm-hmm. better. With a little bit of olive oil. Okay. Tell me about, uh, so you do some sort of chicken thigh thing. I haven't too, done this right? in a long time. <laughs> I don't know what originally, oh, I remember. So what originally gave me the idea was some dish where you like, cook a little bit of pancetta in the pan and sort of push it to the side of the pan and then brown brown some chicken thighs in the pancetta fat. And some of the little bits of pancetta stuck to the chicken skin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, what if? And so I tried taking a whole slice of pancetta and just putting it onto the skin side of a chicken thigh and then slowly cooking the chicken thigh skin side down, then flipping it and uh, and like roasting it till it was done. So it, like the chicken skin was fused to a slice of pancetta. Very good. Cool. Like, okay. I know, you're, I know you're thinking about that. I think thinking like, you know, chicken skin plus bacon. I don't see how that could be good, but trust me, it is. Oh, I think most I'm of joking. our- I'm I was, oh. <laughs> okay. I think that we've reached the end of my rope. Yeah. I think, I think this, this episode is definitely done. Great. <laughs> uh, I You can find us online at SpilledMilkPodcast.com. We'll post re- uh, links to recipes for a bunch of Roman pasta dishes and something else, I think. You can find us on Facebook.com slash SpilledMilkPodcast, where you can... What do we want them to tell us, Matthew? You know, what do you, what do, you do with pancetta? Like, have has Robert Smith come to your barn or, or garage or curing... Have edifice. you have you been touched by the meat wave? Have you been touched by the meat wave? Like, or did it skip your generation? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, okay. Our producer is Abby Circatella. You can find us on Instagram at Spilled Milk Podcast. Please rate and review the show. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. The show that's made up of a matrix of fat and water. That's true. <laughs> I'm Matthew Hefster Burton. I'm Molly Weisenberg. Were you recording that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. A charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.